Hello, hello. This is Dariusz Kalbarczyk, founder of the NG Poland and JS Poland conference together with my wonderful co-host Manfred Steyer from Software Architect AT. We want to welcome you today. For the first time in the history, we are hosting Peter Smith. Hi, Peter. How are you? Good morning. I'm happy. How are you? Uh, thank you. Okay, so before we start, uh, Peter, please tell us a few words about yourself. What are you doing in New York? I started off doing project management after I graduated college. I realized that the fun part of the project management was the software development, and I switched to becoming a software engineer. Five years ago, I made some friends and I started a company, Upstate Interactive, with them. And now here today, as of the 2020 uh, siesta that's led me to be inside all the time, I am a devotee of DDD. I've found myself uh, building software applications as an agency with Angular, and I've been doing that since Release Candidate 2 loving it all the way and always happy to find ways to make projects sane not for myself as much as for my whole team and it's been a, a journey to get here and it's nice to have here today to be at awesome thank you so much okay so today's topic is domain driven design ddd is the concept that the structure and language of software code should match the business domain Manfred, first question for you. What does it mean? Well, I think it means several things for several people. But if we have a, a structured view on it, first of all, we see two disciplines there. One discipline is strategic design. That is more about, I would say, your software architecture. It's about decomposing a big system into tiny parts, tiny parts that are called the subdomains. And those subdomains should not know too much about each other. Normally, you want to decouple them. And on the other side, we have tactical design. And this is also about a mindset that comes with domain-driven design, but it is more known for uh, defining some patterns that are well known nowadays. We don't need DDD for some of those patterns, patterns like factories and patterns like repositories and uh, patterns like entities. It's getting a bit more exciting when we speak about more DDD-related pattern, we only find in the world of DDD, like aggregates or value objects. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's about uh, writing sustainable software, software that is mirroring your business domains out there. And I think one important word is your domains, namely that it is plural because we try really to focus on all those domains, but not at once, but we implement one domain after the other and we don't try to intermingle them that much. Perfect. Peter, I understand that you are software entrepreneur using DDD with your businesses. How did you come to decide to use DDD? After 
doing NGRX as an individual, I noticed that the amount of time that I put into it couldn't be uh, repeated for future developers. It needed to be that I could do that part and that others could work with some of the other parts, component level work, where there's a simple onboard path to that, no matter where somebody's coming from. Even for professional engineers, there is no simple, straightforward path, but to put in the time and energy to learn a new technology. When DDD came around and there was this clear distinction that was now possible between various layers of the Angular application, became very straightforward to onboard a team to each of those individual pieces. So DDD was something that really as a no-brainer approach for a large team that I'm working on to implement in order for our predictability to go up, the maintainability to be uh, a long-term practicality, and overall quality went up too. So uh, when you decide to begin contributing to the plugin, uh, what did you see as a number one contribution you could make? So I think that what I immediately did after first using the plugin was to implement a version of NGRX into the uh, application that I was building. And I put in a labor to make it uh, conform and be recognizable to folks that are familiar with NGRX schematics as well as NX schematics. And then it became very clear that as DDD is schematics that work with NX to include NGRX in there. So today there is NGRX built into DDD as a result of that experience that I had in the beginning and then my efforts to make it a part of the plugin. So what problems does DDD solve uh, that you would like other businesses to be aware of? I don't know what my experience is compared to, to everybody's, but what I can say from my experience is that as folks get into Angular, it can be something that is not easy in the sense of Angular being built for large enterprise applications and used in large enterprise applications is got a level of robustness that can look like a giant ocean. With DDD, it's possible to take layer by layer and assign skills to them. For example, at the utils layer, if you use TypeScript, you can build utils. It's a straightforward thing. Utils are fundamentally uh, not necessarily tied to Angular. But if you go to the other side, you go to the UI layer of DDD. If you know CSS and some RxJS, Angular Forms and Angular Core, you could pretty well operate at the UI layer and build UI components within the DDD world. Now, if you're very familiar with building APIs and basically your introduction to the project is going to be having come from a API development background, with DDD, if you focus at the domain infrastructure layer, you can just learn Angular HTTP and some of the related skills around it and have a focused and simple way to get on board. So I guess for a business, you're looking for ways for people to be productive from as early a day as you could uh, 
imagine. And when you've got these clear onboarding paths, and DDD with its layered approach and domain approach gives a very repeatable focus, not only for the first project that that person joins on, but for all the projects in the future that also implement it, there's a very clearly defined uh, role that anyone could fit into at any given layer. It's a nice thing. And I believe that at Upstate Interactive, we've saved our clients money by being able to reduce the amount of total onboarding time so that people, when they are introduced to a project, have a very focused entry point. Well said. So when you talk to your team about DDD, uh, do you have any primer that you give them? Of course. Uh, As far as trying to understand DDD, there's some publicly available books that I know Manfred has read. I have not. My introduction to DDD has been through a talk called Domain Driven Design in Angular. It was presented by Manfred here at NGConf Hardwire. And that was as much uh, introduction as I really uh, needed. And then from there, I was able to roll with it. I would recommend that anybody who's looking for DDD generally to go to Amazon and read a book. For DDD specific to Angular, to go to Domain Driven Design and Angular by Manfred Steyer, presented at NGConf Hardwire. Okay. So how does um, domain-driven design save your time? I mentioned onboarding. That's a straightforward one. Okay. Now imagine you've already been onboarded and everybody is, and you've got to work on some new feature. At the implementation that I'm working with today, that has a clear distinction around the facade. A facade is this wonderful concept introduced by Thomas Burleson, and DDD implements them. Yet what we can do with DDD, because we have dependency constraints and um, some domain boundaries, we can also tie those to developer roles. So one role that needs to know about NGRX can work behind the facade. And all of the very detailed knowledge that goes into making that cycle of action and reducer and effect work is never shown to somebody who's working on UI components. So there's an agreement when you're building on a a single page application between an API developer and a client side developer. And that agreement is your endpoints. There's a contract there. We're going to have this request and we're going to have that response. With the facade, you can make a similar contract within the client side. And that level of clarity is a wonderful thing because it's an ongoing agreement between those folks that work on UI components and have a visual sense, and then the people that work on the data pipelines and have a very logic-driven and procedural sense to then come together and be collaborative. It's essential to have a simple collaboration and not always straightforward when you have to invent it yourself. So where do you see DDD going next? DDD has more to it than it currently exists in the Angular library. There are uh, some things that have been built into the plugin today that can be expanded on. There's a certain schematic that generates a domain today, and you get a domain folder. We can break out that schematic to include uh, those subcomponents 
as their own schematics. So uh, topic in DDD is the domain. And within that, that can be further broken out into your application. And then that is for most listeners going to be very familiarly visualized as your state as provided by NGRX or your state management tool. Then there's domain models, and anybody can understand a domain model to be your TypeScript interfaces and classes that define the shape of the data. And then there's your domain infrastructure, and then that somehow relates to your HTTP requests and some other structural stuff. We can take that and break that out further. And there's options around how do you have multiple platforms, and there's other options around and this is a very nice thing in NX, and given that NX is operating with React as well, this is not, not something that's restricted to just being an Angular bit. And I know it's nice that we're here on Angular Poland to say that, but I'll say for my part, there are many projects where having people from other frameworks and backgrounds use DDD, it's a benefit. And I think in fundamental theory level, uh, it can be applied everywhere. Thank you so much. Manfred, uh, DDD is almost 20 years old. Is really still a thing? Yeah, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? It's really almost 20 years old. I think the original book that uh, triggered this, uh, this movement was released in 2003. And so, you know, normally we don't care much about stuff that has been released in 2003 in software development because everything is that uh, quickly moving. But uh, just one hint, if you look at Amazon, you will find that this very book is still a bestseller. It is still in the top 10, I think, even in the top five of its categories. And this really shows that there is a lot of demand for this. Also, there are more and more conferences just dealing with DDD and a lot of additional books arrived since then. So it seems to be really a movement that is still valuable today. And one reason might be it is not that about a specific framework, but it is more about a way to think about your uh, software and software architecture. It gives you some hold. It gives you some guidance through the process from moving from your requirements to your architecture and do your more fine-grained design, technical design. And perhaps it's the only methodology that is doing this. And I guess that's why it's giving that much people hold. Of course, you could, in theory, uh, perfectly live without DDD. But one of the nice things is DDD is grouping a lot of best practices, its own philosophy, and a lot of battle-proof hints together uh, into a methodology that brings you from A to B, and this is uh, really valuable. So this book is like a Metallica Black Album, yeah? Still live. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like this, yeah, yeah. You can listen it, it's still uh, 20 years after it. Exactly. After so why do we need an NX plugin for domain-driven design? Yeah. So normally you don't need any plugins or technologies for the, doing DDD. 
because uh, it's a methodology. It tells you how to structure things. But as it turned out, when doing DVD with, in our case, Angular, and I guess also with other platforms, then you have some repeating boilerplate code, some repeating structures. You need to create uh, code for subdomains. Uh, we also call it verticals. And you need to substructure those subdomains into different aspects. As Peter uh, mentioned before, there is something like the domain model, but there is also something like the infrastructure part that is communicating with the backend and abstracting browser APIs. There is something like called application services in the world of Angular, we just call them facades. And uh, they orchestrate different parts of your, of your domain. And in our case, they also take care of state management, as Peter mentioned before. And everything needs to be connected to each other. We need boilerplate for all these parts. And uh, very important, we need some access restrictions in the world of an X because somehow we want to subdivide our subdomains. We don't want that they are intermingled, highly coupled to each other. And so we are creating some access restrictions. And X is really good at this, at restricting which part of the application is allowed to access which other parts. And of course, all of this could done by hand, but it is quite a a mechanical task, it is a repeating task, and that's why we decided to automate this with a plugin after we implemented it several times by hand. So, but DD was, DDD was born in a, an object-oriented programming world. How yeah. does it fit into current world of TypeScript that use both object-oriented and functional programming? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, for this, you have to have one more time a high-level perspective on DDD. Uh, as mentioned before, there is strategic design and there is tactic design. And strategic design, which is about slicing a big application into subdomains, uh, is agnostic to programming styles. It works with all the programming styles out there. I think it would even work with unstructured assembly languages, but of course no one is doing this because it would be too exhausting. But it is agnostic to your paradigm. Then it comes to tactical design, where you have also patterns like entities, like aggregates, like factories, like repositories, then you are in the world of a specific paradigm because those patterns have to implement that at the end of the day with a given language. And when it comes to this, it's true, uh, this all has been born in an OOP world. Um, it has a really, I would say, a really strong view, a strong perspective, a pure perspective on uh, what OOP meant originally. And that's why this part, as it was written down 20 years ago, does not fit that well into the world of functional programming. 
just one example in uh, DDD, it is usual that your entities are smart. Your entities should not be just data containers. For instance, just a class with fields representing an invoice. No, uh, your entities should also have business logic that belongs to the invoice, like adding a new line, like making sure that uh, everything fits together, that you are uh, calculating your lines in the right way, that everything is summed up, all your lines in the right way, and so on and so forth. And this is, of course, not the case when it comes to functional programming, because other than OOB in functional programming, structure and logic is separated. And this would be a no-go for an OOP DDD programmer. And this shows that when we use this with functional programming, we need some changed rules. And fortunately, there are a lot of people out there writing and talking about this, uh, how to apply DDD and how to change the rules for a functional programming world. Um, and yeah, so you need to change your perspective on it a bit. In this case, you might go with entities that are, they call it bloodless because they just contain data and no operations. But from a functional perspective, this is totally okay. The more interesting aspect is what do we, do we want to achieve with this? And at the end of the day, we want to achieve with having operations in classes in an object-oriented world that uh, our data is uh, consistent, that we don't have a different gross amount that does not fit to our lines in the invoice. And finally, functional programming is solving the very, very same issues with completely different approaches. Why you have encapsulation in OOP, you have uh, immutability in functional programming. That means you cannot easily change your invoice. If you want to change your invoice, you have to create a new invoice. Perhaps you have to clone the existing one and exchange some lines or add some lines. And when doing so, then you can uh, check if all the invariants are valid. And after you've checked it once, you can be sure that everything is fine because it's immutable, isn't it? And that's, that's the more funny aspect because that shows that something that is ugly in the one world does not necessarily be ugly in another world. Something that is a no-go in OOP does not necessarily need to be a no-go in functional programming and vice versa. Uh, they uh, just have different approaches and they solve the very same issues with different approaches. And it's more about knowing. I know this was now a rather elaborated answer. The short answer is you need some changed rules. There are good books out there uh, about this topic. And even people that are following DDD from an OOP perspective and writing books about this perspective are mentioning in their books that we need those uh, changed rules when it comes to F.
multifunctional program. So DDD comes with two disciplines, as you mentioned, strategic design and uh, tactical design. What, they, yeah. what are they about? Yeah, so I always say strategic design is really more about your architecture. It's about decomposing your system into subdomains that don't need to know much about each other. Perhaps you know the video game, The Incredible Machine. Uh, I always say it was about triggering a side effect. So the original idea was it is about physics. A falling ball is falling down, and then you have to arrange a lot of things so that this falling ball falling down is triggering another mechanism that is triggering another mechanism that is triggering another mechanism that is doing at the end of the day what the goal of your level is. And I always say this is quite a nice game, but if your application looks like this, that one mechanism is triggering another mechanism and this in turn is triggering one more mechanism, you are lost. In this case, maintaining everything is really, really difficult. And strategic design tries to prevent this by decoupling your business domains. And funnily, strategic design has been rediscovered by a lot of people doing micro frontends and microservices these days, because also micro frontends and services are about decoupling parts of your applications. They really decouple it in a strict way by even creating applications of their own. They are not just going with modules. They are creating applications of uh, their own for each and every subdomain. And that's why it's also valuable nowadays. Of course, you don't need to go that far. Perhaps for you, it is fitting to have one module or a bunch of modules per domain. But if you want to go some steps further, you might want to create an application, a front-end, a micro-front-end, a service, a micro-service of its own for each and every vertical slice. And yeah, tactical design is, I would say, more about... Mm, how everything looks like within the strategic design, how everything is arranged there. It proposes some design patterns. It proposes layering. In the backhand, more and more people are replacing layering by hexagonal architectures. This uh, is also fine and works perfectly with DDD. And uh, it's also about domain events, telling you, that you should just emit an event when something interesting happened. For instance, if someone booked a book on your uh, website in your shop, then you can just emit a domain event. Uh, customer booked a book or bought a book, to say the least, and then perhaps other domains react upon it or they don't react upon it because they are not interested into if someone buys a book or not. And this is a very unobtrusive way of communication, of communicating between business domains. So this one is more about design patterns and strategic design is more about the decomposition and making sure that the parts don't need to know too much about each other. 
So domain-driven design defines um, a strategic strategy called separate ways. Mm. Yeah. Does it mean duplicate code? And why is this a good idea? Yeah, yeah, that's that's also a funny thing because uh, separate ways at first sight means I do it separately in my domain. Perhaps we already have something like what I need in another domain, but I'm not sharing it, but I'm uh, doing it separately here. And at first sight, this is against the try principle. Don't repeat yourself. But we always have to see that try also have drawbacks. Uh, try means we are sharing code because we do not want to duplicate it. We are sharing code. And every time we are sharing code, especially if we are sharing code across domains, we are creating coupling. And we cannot have both. We cannot be totally try and totally avoid coupling. We have to go with one of those two options, but both of them cannot be achieved for 100%. Of course, as always, you can try to find the sweet spot in the middle somewhere. On the other side, doing separate ways to avoid coupling is not always code duplication. Uh, in a domain-driven world, it is very likely that you even have a different perspective on the same things. Perhaps you have, let's stick with a well-known example, a product from a shop. And let's say you need this product entity and components dealing with it and helper functions dealing with it in different domains. The one domain is your card, your shopping card. And the other domain might be your invoicing domain. You have the product in both domains, but you have a completely different perspective to your product. When it comes to shopping, to your shopping cart, you need to have a lot of data for your product because you want to present it to the customer so that they buy it. When it comes to invoicing, you don't need that much properties and perhaps you need other properties. First and foremost, you need the current price. Perhaps it changed or perhaps we need to recalculate it because we found out that you are in another area and that you have a different uh, VAT uh, amount there, percentage there. Uh, you need a historical price. That means uh, we need to go with the price the product had when we purchased it. So updating this price to the newest price, like in the shopping cart, is a no-go. And we don't need that much information uh, about the product, like the picture or alternatives or Q&A. This is more of a shop thing. And that's why I mentioned it's very likely that you have different perspectives in different domains. And so modeling those things separately seems to be a good thing. And that's why it's not really code duplication. If you would to go with and try aspect, don't repeat yourself. If you would share something like this, you would create coupling and you would perhaps end up with a very complicated implementation logics, a logic with thousands of if. If we are in this domain, they care about this. If we are in that domain, they care about that. 
And I think we all have seen something like this that exists because we overdid uh, the idea of try, don't repeat yourself uh, thing that is not maintainable anymore because it consists of a lot of ifs, perhaps more ifs than uh, logic itself. And if we don't go with ifs, we go with polymorphism. But yeah, if you need to exchange everything all the time, it's also not that easily to be So what is the bounded context in domain-driven design? Yeah, bounded context is really a fancy DDT term that can be explained in a very, very difficult way. But at the end of the day, it's, it's an easy and very valuable thing. The theory of DDT is that it does not make sense to model the whole world. It does not make sense to have a map with your uh, railways, with your train connections, with your flight connections, and uh, with all the pipes that are underground for getting water from A to B. It would be a bit too much if we try to model everything. And that's why in DDD, you model each and every subdomain, for instance, your shopping cart, your invoicing domain, your recommender system separately. You model it separately because, as mentioned before, chances are high that you have different perspectives on it. And the bounded context is now the thought border around such a model, the thought border about such a model, and only within the border the model makes sense. Outside of the border, the model does not make sense because you have a different perspective. When dealing with legacy software, then perhaps those uh, bounded contexts are not that strict. And you might have one big model that is referring to different domains. But if you start on a greenfield, you should make sure that one subdomain has one bounded context. So DDD subdivides and software system into subdomains, yes? Mm -hmm. Can they communicate with, with each other? Yeah, they can. They can. And they also have to communicate sometimes. But the idea is to not overtool it, to loosely couple it. This is also something you uh, concentrate on when doing strategic design. You think about how do they need to communicate with each other. And there are several strategies to establish communication. Uh, one strategy is to uh, provide a service for other domains. In this case, the other domains could talk with this service in order to use some some features of the domain in question. And this also makes sure that you have loosely coupling because only things you are exposing via these services need to be backwards compatible. The rest can be changed all the time. It can be thrown away and rewritten. It's not a big deal, but everything that is exposed via such a service, they call it open host service, needs to be backwards compatible 
otherwise you break other domains and avoiding to break other domains is one of the goals of strategic design, isn't it? Another approach, as mentioned before, is message passing, domain events. It's very unobtrusive. A third approach is the shared kernel, where two or more domains share a common, a common um, domain model with each other. Perhaps they agree upon that all of them needs to have a product entity and some logic dealing with the product entity for what reason ever. And yeah, then they might move it to a library of its own. That would be a technical implementation. DDD doesn't tell you something about libraries, but I would put it into a library and share it across several subdomains. But at the end of the day, uh, the idea is really to do this as much as needed and as little as possible because we want to have decoupled subdomains. Okay, so guys, thank you so much for today's meeting. Peter, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. Manfred, thank you so much. It was a great time. Is, uh, it's an awesome thing, domain-driven design. It's simply advanced. It's something where you can have high-quality teams, some of the best programmers, thinking that with DDD as a bit extra on top of their uh, general tech stack, are able to create even better products. I think at the end of all of the discussion today, it all translates to the output of the work being of a better quality than it could be without. And it's what makes me love it. And I'm so glad to share it. And so glad to have been here today with you all. Thank you so much. Manfred, you want to add something? Yeah, I also say thank you for this. And yeah, if anyone wants to check out this, check out our plugin at nbm.org. It's Angular Architects DDD. And of course, uh, check out our courses because DDD is the leading theory in our courses, in our workshops and video trainings about architecture in Angular. And we are combining it with a lot of trends and best practices of the Angular world. You would really be surprised how well those two aspects fit together. More modern Angular approaches for architecture and 20-year-old guidance uh, coming from DVD. Exactly. As Manfred said, you definitely should check out our new uh, our new course. New, like new, is uh, we plan to release a second edition of uh, the AngularMaster.dev course. So definitely check out the website AngularMaster.dev and see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.